0: you're watching this video, then congratulations! You've survived. You've made it through 2022, and you're now entering with all of us into 2023 alive and hopefully well. 2020 was a big year for so many of us, uh, especially here at Discernible, and we'll talk about at the end of this video what 2023 will bring. But first of all, let's go through the biggest moments, the biggest guests. Uh, their wisdom that they've brought onto this show has been so generous. I'm very grateful for them to to have done that for us. And some of the the key takeaways that uh, we have from these discussions, you may not have been able to watch hundreds of hours of our content. So we'll summarize some of the best bits for you now. 2022 was the biggest year for us. Uh, 60 long form interviews we completed in 2022. Uh, That's my most favorite part of the job. Uh, The People's Project. We did 23 episodes of The People's Project. We did 16 pieces of editorial content and hundreds of uh, segments cut down from these uh, big main pieces of content and published those across our socials and hundreds of short standalone pieces as well on our socials. We've held three town halls, one on business, one with Stanford's Jay Bhattacharya and Fitzroy, and one with Little Big Farm on self-reliant living. We've launched our own cultural brand, Team Human. We've created and started to sell our uh, usb time capsules in those handmade boxes we've uh, begun work on our quote bible to be published in the first half of 2023 uh, but most importantly these conversations we've learned a lot we've changed a lot and we hope that you have too let's go through uh, starting from january 2022 uh, the interviews that stand out most to me in the lessons that i've learned AFL top star Tom McDonald came on on the 12th of January. This man is a AFL star from the Melbourne Football Club, uh, colloquially called the Demons. And he came on and he, I really appreciated the fact that he showed me sports stars and not all just Brendan Fraser's from Bedazzled. Uh, well, you know, you got there and you give 110% and you wanna play good and you know, you hope you play good. I think we play pretty good tonight. Well, in the lexicon of sports terminology, and I don't mean to sound contrary here, the word good falls tragically short of encompassing the sheer virtuosity of your performance this evening. Um, well, you know, there's no I in the word team, and this is a team effort, and I just once said I'm really proud to be associated with these fine individuals that I ha- have the pleasure of working with. Number one! Yeah! You must have an enormously huge talent. Well, you know, you go out there and you just give 110% and uh, you hope you play good mm-hmm. and you want to play good. I think we play pretty good tonight. Sports stars can actually be quite deep in their thoughts. So it's been lovely having Tom McDonald on, on the show. And he's only young. He was only in his late 20s when he came on and I was surprised how deep he was. He attributes his depth to podcasting. Just listening, 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 uh, which is how I'm certainly growing in wisdom is by listening to all of these voices. The next really interesting interview, let's go to Dr. Cameron Murray on the 1st of February 2022. Dr. Cameron Murray spoke to us about virtue signaling, an incredible dive into why people need to signal from one group to another, from one tribe to another. And he talked in here about performance art with QR code check-ins, the way it soothes anxiety in the community. He talked about Um, group signaling, a way to establish identity and to spread and create new converts. An amazing um, dive back in the beginning of uh, 2022 of something that we've seen right around the world, the way people create groups with masks and vaccines and all this kind of thing. It's amazing. Dr. Cameron Murray. Uh, We interviewed a girl named Corinne, uh, who dresses up as Supergirl, which is, you know, it's funny. You think kids Wear dress-up clothes, and you see these cosplayers, adults wearing, um, wearing superhero outfits, and you just—it was a fascinating dive into the psyche of someone who is living out for her. It was a way she said it was a way of expressing her inner strength, where she may have felt like she didn't have that. So there was a level of brokenness, as there is in all of us, but there was a level of brokenness that she said she was able to. I don't know if "solve" is the right word or "cover" is the right word, but certainly to to compensate for and to bring strength to. You know, she brought the she, she adopted the strengths that she saw in Supergirl and appropriated them for her own. So she she leaned uh, on the strength of the a false character like Supergirl is a fictional character. She leaned on the the values and the um, the strengths of Supergirl to help her in her own life. Doctor Debbie Garrett was a profound interview in. February 2022, she she has done a lot of, her PhD work was on, she's a, she's a registered nurse, she, her PhD work was on uh, alarmism around abortion, and specifically the way that the, the warring sides of the argument will use alarmist gate, she calls it alarmist gatekeeping. And she just talked about the way how uh, alarm it was used in a manipulative way where you would shut down debate without even looking at the substance of the topic. So that was more complex than I'm able to describe here now, but it was a very good interview in the sense that she applied the alarmist gatekeeping she saw around the abortion debate to the COVID-19 messaging, and she really took apart some of the way the alarmism was pushed through government uh, for COVID-19 and how anyone who spoke out against it was lambasted uh, cosmetic surgery and self identity on the 21st of February. So this was fascinating. This is with the owner of a hair transplant clinic uh, in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane—a like big one, one of Australia's biggest. And I put him side by side live next to Dr. Ben Buchanan. Dr. Ben Buchanan is a clinical uh, psychologist and academic, and he focuses on body dysmorphia, body dysmorphic disorder. And so we discussed the interplay between cosmetic surgery and Body dysmorphia, and when cosmetic surgery is indicated, and it's a good thing from his view, you know, an expert on body dysmorphia, and to see him talking with someone who's incentivized to sell um, surgery is cosmetic surgery. That was a very interesting interplay. Uh, they ended up being quite good friends. Simon Hill, The Proof is in the Plants, February 2022 again. This man is a vegan. Uh, He often takes the meat loving experts to task and he's very focused on data and studies, academia and so on. This man I found one of the most honest, intellectually honest people I've ever interviewed. It wasn't so much about his, uh, his, his facts and his position though if you watch that interview, he's he's quite well-rounded. He can defend his position very, very well. It's quite convincing. Uh, it was the fact that when pushed, he was intellectually consistent. And he was willing to lay down. So at the end of the interview, I asked if he would lay down his hardcore diversion to veganism. Uh, if uh, Vegetarian or veganism? I think he was a vegan. Definitely vegetarian. But if he'd be willing to lay that down in the face of alternative evidence. And unlike every other vegan I've ever spoke to, he, he was like, yep, in a heartbeat. He's ready to um, follow the science wherever that leads. And he's one of those people who, he ends up on, in some ways, on the side of the mainstream science that says plant-based is better than having meat, animal products. But he doesn't get there through dodgy short-circuiting of discussions and ad hominem attacks and logical fallacies like that, and straw man arguments and, and dodgy science. He actually goes in and makes criticisms of all sorts of science, and his conclusion is on the side of, of the proof is in the plants. He was a fascinating, uh, honest honest man to talk to. I really liked him. Andy Anderson comes in on 9th of March. Andy Anderson is a, a bodybuilder champion. Uh, he owns multiple gyms. You know, he's a real high achieving kind of entrepreneurial guy, but with beautiful white teeth. But the thing that shocked me the way he's the only person to come into the studio or on zoom to carry such a high level level of energy, positive energy. And I don't mean just everything's good. I mean, high agency behavior, internal locus of control. He, he, he oozed and exuded this sense of my life is my responsibility and he didn't blame anyone for anything and he took responsibility for his, the way he entered the room. He told me in the cars on, on, the, on the way in, sitting in the car, that he was uh, taking responsibility for his mindset and the atmosphere that he would create by coming in to our studio and making sure that he was a positive influence through the entire interview and he was. In interviewing him, there was so much energy, so much real, genuine uh, positive uh, to his his body language, to the words he chose, to the to the stories he told, uh, it wasn't fake. He was very very um, charging and encouraging to be around. And after that interview, I thought that's the kind of guy I would like to hang around. Uh, because that rubs off on you, you know. So, if you watch that interview, you'll learn a lot about his business. So, there's a lot about just business struggles and COVID struggles and how to press on despite setbacks in business. Worth watching if that's up your alley and getting some of that positivity to rub off on you. Uh, Dr. Gilbert Burdine, he was interesting from the US I Zoom. In April 2022, I spoke to him and he, he, pulled no punches. He went in and talked about how the science, trademark, is a religious cult. And he, did, he talked about the way that some of this the, um, you know, the priests of old have been replicated into the scientific establishment now. Uh, so he was, he was really cool because he didn't mince his words. He didn't hold back. And, and a lot of us, including myself, but a lot of my guests have had to uh, hold back uh in, in some of the stuff that they say this guy went for it i really liked him uh who else we've got there oh, there's something there that i don't want to talk about there's some interviews i don't want to mention here's a good one bezad Nixad, may 8th of may 2022 bezad niksad is a data scientist and he came on to talk about bad modeling and the religion of science and he told an amazing joke about a donkey
1: in my background I'm from afghanistan um and, and the region the wider region there we have um We have a set of jokes, uh, uh, and these jokes are uh, meant to actually impart philosophical ideas to people. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them is that someone comes along uh, to their neighbor's house and asks to borrow the donkey and says, hey, can I borrow your donkey? Mm -hmm. And uh, the person doesn't want to lend their donkey to to the neighbor. So he lies and he says, oh, the donkey's not home. I already gave it to someone else. And in this exact moment, the donkey makes a noise from the back of the house. (laughs) I like it. So the neighbor kind of looks puzzled and the man says, look, we've been neighbors for like 10 years. Who are you gonna believe? Me or the donkey? <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is like what we're going through.
1: Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, don't believe your ears. Don't believe your eyes. Don't believe your senses. Don't believe your common sense. Believe the experts.
0: That's a very good joke. And that's exactly what we've been seeing uh, throughout the pandemic, this sense of Close your eyes down. Close your ears. Are you going to trust what you see and what you hear? Or are you going to trust me, the expert? And most people in Western nations said yes. We'll trust you, the expert, and we'll shut down our eyes and ears because you know better than we do. Uh, next cool interview I thought was Jacob M. Uh, Jakub Mchangama, Jacob or Jakub is what you say you pronounce his name. Jakub Mchangama is the founder of Justicia, a think tank institute, and I think it's Denmark. Uh, but he's one of the world's foremost experts on free speech. So many people say, that's free speech. They don't understand what free speech means historically, legally, or culturally, right? They just say, oh, I should be allowed to say anything, free speech. They, they don't even know where it comes from historically. They don't understand what the legal uh, ramifications are for it now. Well, you know, the fact that it protects um, government impositions on speech, not private impositions. Uh, And they also don't understand the cultural position of of free speech. He does, so he has a book. What's it called? Free Speech: A History from Socrates to Social Media. And in this book, he chronicles the history from the bedrock, uh, the history of of free speech, which he thinks is the bedrock of democracy, uh, and all the way through uh, to where we are today. And the most interesting thing he said in that interview, I think, was when he said minority groups really need to take a principled stand when it comes to free speech, not a convenient stand. Okay. So if you think about, and I'll explain why, but if you think about the Greens as a political party who often stand up for things that we might agree that are quite good and quite important, especially when they stand up for minorities. But the thing is, they often will stand up on a transactional or a political uh, majority kind of a position rather than a principled position. And that's, and you can see that when they, for example, they'll stand up for protests in China against lockdowns because the lockdowns are too severe. But when lockdowns are in Melbourne and they're too severe and people are protesting, they malign everyone there as an anti-vaxxer, right? So that's not a principled stand because it's contradictory. It's political. Jakob says, it's very important for minorities to take a, a, uh, a principled stand on free speech because the major- an unprincipled stand, so just just conveniently taking the tyranny of the majority currently supports your position. Let's say uh, you want um, trans rights and you're trans, great. Now, he says, if that's the majority position to support trans rights now and you, you stand on it because it's the majority position and you push it through, What happens when the majority changes? He says you're only one one political decision away from losing those rights. So you must take a principled stand on free speech. And what that means for minorities, he was saying, it means you need to defend the speech, the free speech of the bigots, of the racists, and of those very groups that attack you. It doesn't mean you can't defend yourself and attack back and all of that, in the end, you cannot be calling for their silencing. Uh, you must be calling for free speech. It is the only way to protect your own as minorities to take a principled stand. So, Yako M Chhangama, great, great interview. Who else have we got? Oh, Robert Clancy, Professor Robert Clancy is the most the, the, the most gentleman I've ever had on the show. So, Fourth of June, R- uh, Professor Robert Clancy comes to talk about COVID nineteen narratives, vaccine adverse events, adverse events. Evidence-based medicine, like what does that actually mean? You know, I, I, I employed doctors who practice evidence-based medicines uh, for years and we just would say it, evidence-based medicine, evidence-based medicine, what is it? Oh, we believe in the evidence. He was there at the founding of this concept in, in medicine of what is evidence-based medicine and he talks about the World Health Organization and their role in it and in the world today and a little bit about cartography, which is map making, which is his passion. But anyway, Professor Robert Clancy, that interview did not get enough airtime because I didn't give it. You have to understand, it was one of those that got us canceled. Got it, it earned us a strike and earned us a temporary ban on Facebook and all of the posts I put up about him were removed. Even though often I would censor the short segments, they still got removed. Like I'd put, you know, I cut out, I put a censored logo over when he says something. Anyway, they still cut it. You can see the full, uncensored interview on my website, discernible.io. But that is a very important interview because he also pulls no punches and he goes to town on what medicine is, uh, what vaccines are, and, and he, his personal, his family, immediate family, have had some horrible adverse events, significant. And so he's pretty angry about that and he describes them in detail. Uh, and after the interview... He uh, emails me a few times, and one time he says oh, I, I, he was disappointed in himself that he could have given a much better interview. It's an amazing interview, but just his level of self-reflection and, and gentleman trying to do a good job for me. I'm not used to that. Usually we're trying to do a good job for the guest. He was the first guest to really be so selfless. Anyway, I'd love to have him back on. He's an amazing – he speaks very well too. Uh, Who else? Tom Goodwin. Tom Goodwin was in June, 2022. He talked about how we're addicted to new technology. And he's an interesting guy because he works in the uh, corporate tech sort of space. And he often comments mainly on LinkedIn, but he commentates on new tech coming in and he brings a real fresh approach to it because when we get so obsessed with technology uh, of, of embracing the new for the sake of the new, you can lose sight of its core function. So he, for example, you know, he, he raised the example of a, a um, sh- I think it was a shopping center. And in the window, it, you know, put the opening hours, just a sign with, you know, we're open Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., whatever. It had a QR code printed, and it said, scan the QR code to see our opening hours. And so that was, you know, QR codes were all the rage back then, and so they were using that as a cool, novel technology, making it more difficult for the person just wanting to see the opening hours of the center that I'm standing in front of. You have to scan a QR code now to see it. In one sense, you could argue, okay, it means they can change the opening hours quite easily on the website because they've only printed the QR code everywhere. But as you can see, the utility of it has been sacrificed for the, uh, the coolness of the new tech. So he, he often um, goes into all sorts of new tech now with banks and online banking and, and, and um, crypto and a whole bunch of other things. And he, he's just waving the flag for human-centric, um, utility centric deployments of technology, not uh, virtuous signally type. Look how cool this tech is, which a lot of banks do. Uh, instead of of what do we really want from our banks? We want our branches to be better staffed. We want them to stay open, especially in our regional hubs. Uh, you know, this kind of stuff instead of going on about our app will now put a um, now recognize your new pronouns or you log into the app into the ANZ app and it says we acknowledge the lands upon which we you know, like that's not, don't spend time on that. Spend time on making the customer experience of banking better. So he does that. Some of the key things from this interview, he talks about uh, when technology succeeds too rapidly and adoption curves of technology. Uh, he talks about the techno cl- or technocratic class taking over the world, geeks taking over the world. Uh, he talks about building empathy into technology. And there's a cool robot cat in there that we talked about in a restaurant. He talks about um, it, uh, technological indulgences, uh, Twitter and public square and and all sorts of everything. Great interview to check out. Uh, who else? What about Jab Injuries Australia? Wow, this was in June, 2022. Jab, Matt from Jab Injuries Australia, what a story. So this guy somehow doesn't get banned. That interview I really felt was important because at that time now people are talking about injuries but back then you couldn't even say what i'm saying now on instagram or, or on youtube really you couldn't even talk about that there were adverse events you can't even say that so back when he came out uh, and he he told us about all these adverse events he was collecting he that was quite an inspirational um, work he's doing an inspirational interview so uh, th- what i took away from that is that some people are driven by an ethic that goes against utility. Everything Jab Injury Australia seems to do, seems to be centered around their mission. I've never seen him, there's many groups out there that I've seen step sort of sideways and do something that benefits them. But every time he does a, a campaign or he says, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing flyers, whatever. He seems to be just dedicated to to the mission of his, his business, which is amazing. Alex Washburn is a scientist. He was on in July, 2022. Alex Washburn talked about Fauci trees and the uh, Fauci trees that kill the saplings of science. So this idea that science is really fragile in terms of saplings. So you have a new idea, might be Semmelweis saying we should wash our hands before delivering babies and after touching dead bodies. It's a, it's a sapling idea, very small and weak and easily dominated. Uh, And then it did at the time, Ignaz Semmelweis, the the establishment dominated him and said, you're an idiot. No one needs to wash hands. What is this, what are germs? You can't see them, you're an idiot. But he continued on and he got amazing results by having his his, uh, people wash their hands and his uh, mortality rate crashed. So fewer women were dying delivering birth in his clinics. Sadly, it was only posthumously after he died that he was acknowledged, his ideas of hand washing were acknowledged to be a good thing in, in a surgical setting. Well, that's an example of, of, you know, the big trees killing the saplings. Uh, thankfully that sapling grew and survived. Alex Washburn talks about Fauci trees. So these this, this Fauci and everything he represents saying, I am the science and coming in and saying, any new idea is wrong and fringe and tinfoil hat cooker stuff. It kills, it's not just wrong in the sense that you're shutting down Alternative, like the lab leak hypothesis, and so on. He's saying it's dangerous. It's ba- it takes us backwards. He's very active on Twitter. If you want to follow him, uh, it's uh, Washburn Alex is his, his his handle on Twitter. But he, he talks about look, this is seriously causing a regression in some very important academic uh, progress that we and scientific progress that we would normally have. Uh, so he's uh, he, he's amazing. He's got a uh, uh, what did he study? Epidemiology, um, ecology. Uh, he's very, very researched in COVID epidemiology. So that's a cool one uh, to check out. Uh, a lot of these guys at this period of time were from the left, which was cool, like politically left. So it was nice to have some different sort of voices speaking out against lockdowns and so on, mandates. Thomas S. Harrington was such a um, softly spoken guy. He's another professor. Uh, he, he, 11th of July, 2022, Thomas S. Harrington talked to us about the worldwide Milgram experiment. If you haven't don't know about the Milgram experiment, uh, it's it's an infamous experiment uh, where ordinary people are pushed to commit e- extraordinary atrocities by authority figures. Um, what's that quote? Those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. Cool quote. It'll be in our quote Bible for sale next year. Ha <laughs> ha. No, but he he talked about uh, the fact that we're repeating uh, that very experiment. He's an expert on the formation of identity and culture and language. And so one big thing he talked about was rhetorical framing. So this um, idea of influencing a broad population, Uh, nudge units. We all know about nudge units now in governments who use, um, we call them behavior insights units here in Victoria and Australia. He, he the, the professor Thomas Harrington, he believes if you create a convincing frame, if you can establish a frame, then the subject can be made to believe any proposition contained within that frame. So even if the proposition is antithetical to the frame itself. So if you can create, it's almost like the Overton window, right? But if you can create a frame of thinking, so it's not even about the propositions in within the frame. You create a frame of thinking. You convince people of that frame. It's, it's it's self-evident, isn't it? Oh, yes, it's self-evident that Fauci knows best or whatever it is. And then you create the frame. And then you can put antithetical propositions within the frame, absurdities within the frame. And because the people have accepted the frame, they they therefore let the guards down. They don't test and critically think about the propositions within a trusted frame. It'll be like you trusting. If you trust discernible and you trust something, you shouldn't, by the way, you should... I've said this since we started two years ago, don't trust us, don't trust discernible, you shouldn't, you should trust yourself. But if you did trust us, and then I said something wrong and you trusted me, that's you accepting a proposition uh, because you trust the frame. We try. We do our best to to, um, make it safe for you to trust us, but you know, we all all stuff up. Uh, And so, but his amazing thing was that even if the proposition is antithetical to the frame, and that's why you had absurdities, right? That's why people looked at some of the COVID responses and said, why do you, are you so angry at me as I stand to sit at my table at a restaurant, but I haven't got a mask on. But as soon as I sit down at that table, just to the right of my leg, like it's I'm standing next to my table waiting to be seated, you seat me at that table, I sit down, no mask, you're no longer angry at me. And then when I go up to walk to the, the toilet, I'm not wearing a mask, you're angry at me again. Like the absurdity of it. Anyway. Great interview about how to create a pliant population. That was Thomas S. Harrington. Professor Paul Freitas, he was amazing. He came on to talk about the madness of crowds. He's from England, a professor of wellbeing economics. uh, And he talks a lot about why crowds go mad during COVID. So some of the things we talked about, uh, the thing, uh, the um, loud, loud voices for and against lockdowns and where those voices would go after madness dissipates. Uh, He talked about how madness and crowds collapse and how to accelerate that collapse. Uh, He talked about opportunism within the WEF and the WHO during the madness. Um, Basically, crowd dynamics. Uh, Paul Freitas, good man. Jeffrey Tucker, he was there at the beginning of the founding of the birth of the Great Barrington Declaration, and he founded the Brownstone Institute. Now, Jeffrey Tucker was a good interview in July 2022, where uh, he gave some background on how all the GB Declaration started, but... Really cool thing how he he combined modern things like gun culture in the USA and safety and so on with higher order thinking concepts. Like he was able he he was a guy who was able to not just speak in the theoretical um, or the specialized. Like Alex Washburn is very good at speaking in the specialized. Jeffrey Tucker is very good at taking the specialized and translating it into the everyday. So, you know, when we talk about the libertarian apostates who sold out to government, or we talk about Scott Morrison's demonization of non compliance, or we talk about um, fake science pushed in Australia and laughed at around the world, these are all very uh, relevant kind of ways of talking about some some more complex thinking. Uh, What's his name? Jeffrey Tucker. So, Jeffrey Tucker, uh, that was a great interview. How about Claire Payne? So, Claire Payne, August 2022. She's a medical journalist writing for doctors throughout the pandemic. Having employed doctors, let me tell you how it works. Doctors are normal humans, surprise, surprise. Sometimes they're just as gullible as you and me, surprise, surprise. Having employed so many of them myself, I'm telling you often they're more gullible. One, because they're specialized, they're busy. But two, because unlike a lawyer or others who are taught to think critically, I don't think doctors are. They're taught taught systemization, they're taught care, they're taught a lot of stuff, but stuff is not the same as learning critical thinking. Um, They're taught how to diagnose, there's a criticality in that, I guess, but in terms of accepting dogma, certainly there's this, the Fauci trees that we talked about, there's this sense of the science. So she was part of that system. Claire Payne was writing the articles that the doctors would read. So a doctor can read, you go to the doctor and you say, I read on Google that, I don't want to use a vaccine reference. Let, let's, let's use one anyway, I think we can now. If you go to the doctor and say, listen, I read on Google before I get my um, Pfizer shot, I heard that sometimes uh, some young men can get cardiac um, adverse events. Where did you read that? Doctors say oh, on Google, oh, I can't trust Google, right? But if they read that in the, in the medical spectator, if they read that in any kind of these medical journal, medical magazine, not journals, just magazines, they have these circulars that they get thrown around to them, like a trade magazine. If they've read it in there, massive difference. And I remember this when I was, I was never a doctor, I just employed a bunch of them, had medical clinics. And so when I would go and see another doctor, I couldn't say I'm a doctor, but I would say, hey, I'm not sure that what you're trying to prescribe me is best in this case. Why don't we try this kind of antibiotic or whatever? They might say, oh, where did you hear that, Google? And I'll say, no, I was reading the Medical Observer the other day, and one of the columns, just a little column talked about how you know, the prevalence of this, blah, 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 and they, and they would go, oh, well, okay, well then let's try it. See, that, as soon as I said it came from the Medical Observer, this circular, there were many of them, so she was writing those for doctors and she became ethically conflicted at what she was being, not so much pushed to write, but pushed to be quiet about. And when she had some concerns about fake data, they were, they were shoved aside so quickly that she, you know, she had a real issue with that. So she ended up conducting a survey um, which she lays out in that interview with me on why did you get uh, to Australians? Why did you get vaccinated? And she has responses of, I think it was 27,000 people that responded. And this, the, the reasons are uh, somewhat surprising from, from pro-vax to anti-vax, whatever, you know, it's the whole gamut. Uh, and then we talked about the biases, bi- biases that might be in her survey that she had to account for. But overall, it's still a very enlightening uh, work that she's done very uh, carefully spoken. Who else have we got? Uh, How about Professor Matthias Desmond? Matthias Desmond, August 2022. So he came up with this idea of mass formation psychosis. And I was determined in this interview to get something different out of him, not just to tell me about mass formation psychosis. Mass formation, he calls it. Doesn't like psychosis on the end. Uh, But the thing he was really interested in talking about, moving beyond a rationalist, mechanistic view of man in the world, he calls it. So he thinks our society has a view of man in the world or a view of humanity to be the enlightenment rationalist mechanistic approach, measurable, empirical, repeatable. And he said there's so much more to the human species that we haven't necessarily been able to prove or, 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 or measure. But if we don't, we can end up in now what he's, he doesn't describe it this way, but basically, basically mechanistic and utilitarian hells. Where he thinks you know, the whole world's gone mad, and we really are leaving behind an understanding of the depth of humanity beyond the rational and beyond the, not so much rational, beyond the mechanistic, the measurable, you know. And he's not, he, he's, from what I spoke with him, he's not religious. He's not actually speaking to be, you know, to a, a classical, like a Christian view or a religious view. He's, he's more pushing towards something something new. So that was a fascinating interview. You won't hear him talk about that kind of stuff in other interviews. Other interviews, he just talks about mass formation. So that's a good one. Uh, Professor Norman Fenton in August 2022, he's a statistician. He, He, I mean, he talked about the world being conned because of lying with statistics. And he understands statistics. He's incredible. This man takes us through some examples of how statistics can be screwed up, especially during covid an interview worth going through and hitting the pause button and rewinding, figuring out what he's, what he's trying to say. But this is key. Like if, I'd, I'm not smart enough to know whether he's, he's right or wrong, but he's talking about statistical illusions. That's powerful because if you don't have anything at all, no statistics, no illusions, nothing, then you've just got opinion, fine. Someone comes along with statistics. Okay, that's, that's, that's strong data set, right? whether speed cameras work to save lives or not, whatever, something like that. But he's saying, what if some of those statistics are illusions, statistical illusions? It's even more dangerous than having no statistics and no data, because now you have an illusion which is given all this authority, but it's an illusion. It's actually pushing you to a, a place through false evidence. So you can end up being more committed to an idea because you have statistics, but it's an illusion. So you can end up pursuing very bad, outcomes, policy outcomes and decisions. And that's exactly what he thinks is happening. Professor Norman Fenton. One of my favourite interviews all year was Robert Barwick. Robert Barwick came on to talk about banks, the banking sector, how it runs the world and why the biggest enemy in the world is not really not really China, not really the government elites, not the politicians, not the prime minister that you hate, not not the party you think is racist. No 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 no. Banks and lobbyists basically but banks and the power structures of this world. That that's really what's at the elite and at the core. Uh, wow, Robert Barrett, what a fun interview. I take away from him that we are looking often at the wrong thing. You look at a politician that's pushing a policy that you hate and you go, It's because he hates children or whatever. He's evil. He's a social he's a he's a socialist. No. Look deeper and you'll often find a a a uh, a money incentive or sometimes just a groupthink incentive where he believes Robert because his political party has been at the forefront of a lot of things like the cash ban that they stopped and so on. He thinks a lot of politicians are fall prey to lobbyists because it's easier to outsource decision making to supposed experts, even them. So they just, okay, a lobbyist says they've done all the data, I'll just trust trust what they're saying. And so that often happens with the banking sector, with governments deferring to financial private financial players and giving them what they want because they don't understand finances. Sam Eddy came in October, 2022, to talk about gay pride, identity making, and ego. What a fun discussion. I, I know him quite well now, we've become friends, I've had him on a number of times three times i think and so i was able to speak a lot more give my give some of my opinion not for the sake of i want you to see my opinion but because i wanted to put my opinion in front of him he's a gay man i didn't know this until he he said i'm gay on the show but he i wanted to put my opinion there and see what he had to because i hate um pride uh mainly because you know pride in me you know i see my own um shortfalls but Gay pride specifically. I had all pride, but this pride month, you know, I was railing against pride month. So, and he was gay. So he came on to talk about uh, pride month and whether it's good or not. Uh, Zuby came on in October, 2022. My takeaway from Zuby is exceptionalism. Again, kind of like Andy Anderson. The popular stuff to talk about Zuby, I don't want to talk about. What I want to talk about is his ethic. Very, very high. Work ethic whether it be physically or work and persistence. That was very impressive. I was very impressed by that. So yeah, watch that if you want to have some of that rub off on you. Professor Ben Mole came on from Monash Health. He's a gynecologist and, and a professor in in medical, he specializes in medical interventions. That was amazing. Really liked having him on. He reveals some stuff that, okay, so here's the deal with Professor Ben Mole just like many experts, they're a little bit outspoken in their field. And just like every, like I've been saying, the medical field sort of squashes them, says, oh, I stop talking out of turn. And so when they're on camera, they have their views, are, you know, they don't want to rock the boat too much, but they want to rock it a little bit. And this is many of them, including Ben. And so unfortunately, the best stuff is not on camera. And that's deliberate, they, 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 they refuse to because if they came out with their full views, and I think they should, but if they came with their full views and rock the boat too much, it can, it can backfire. And I, I understand the argument. Like if you want to move, you have more of an effect if you move the needle by 2% successfully than if you try to move the needle by 30% and fail. So I get that. But anyway, the thing I took from that, that interview is that there are good people on the inside of some, some institutions that you might not think are that great who are doing a good job uh, and <clears throat> are hiding some of their views, but they're in there. So um, not to think of all institutions as monolithically the same. Peter Pham, a human rights lawyer from Sydney came in November 2022. Uh, He actually came a lot earlier than that. I was like three or four weeks late in in publishing his interview. Uh, He had an amazing discussion with me for about two hours on self-determination, on human rights, uh, and the foundation of human rights in ancient Egypt. This interview I found particularly impressing on me because of the way he understood the agency of the individual. So he didn't just say freedom, 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 as you see a lot of the freedom fighters doing. He talked about where does agency come from and he's consistent on some of this stuff like standing up for refugees or whatever because what you'll see often is you'll see that the right wing for example might be anti um, seeking asylum by boat turn them around whatever but then when it comes to say lockdowns they'll say no government shouldn't be whatever we should they should respect our freedoms or something like that and without making a comment on those the rights wrongs of that policy my point is they they have arguments for each individual circumstance, but not necessarily an undergirding principle that informs each, each thing they stand up for. So I remember the right-wing standing up against asylum seekers via boat using utilitar- utilitarian um, justifications. If we allow that, it'll be honeypot. It will cause more people to come, and therefore more people will die. But then when it came to other issues like... Um, during during COVID, th- their arguments for that would also be circumstantial, which is fine and can be valid and utilitarian. But it often looked opposite all of a sudden to what they previously were saying. Uh, and so, those like Peter Pham w- would consistently stand up on a principle based on, and I did as well. I had to defend PR Guy Seventeen on Twitter because by principle, I believe in his free speech. And just like now, uh, I've got to defend some horrible characters out there in the moment like Andrew Tate for his free speech because I, we should defend free speech of everyone. Uh, same as the Nazi, the neo-Nazis want to display the symbol. Like, how can you say you're not allowed to display that evil symbol, but I should be allowed to display my Gadsden flag? You know, don't tread on me flag. Like, you I mean you gotta be consistent on this kind of stuff, even when it's difficult. So Peter Pham was great. Uh, Robin McMullen. Rob McMullen came in December 2022 to speak about empathy and caretaking and why the right wing can't talk to the left wing and why uh, left wing people are... It's so difficult for them to accept an unjust outcome because it offends the very sense of of core humanity. You're not asking them to make a sacrifice. You're asking them to cut off their hand that's what you're asking them to do cut off an appendage and they just they can't fathom it so if you say to someone we can't afford to keep to, to give everyone a free house so some people will have to be homeless for them this is rob rob mcmullen's argument for them they just can't fathom someone being homeless so it doesn't matter what it costs we must provide free homes right so this is just an example i made up but that that idea of a conservative or a right-wing person might be able to weigh up the cost and say, we'll do our best. If we can't, we can't. If we can, we can. And we'll try and do more. We have to fix it. But the left will say, no, no matter what, we must provide free healthcare. We must provide free dental. We must provide free homes. We must provide safe, insert blank, because it's so important to them. So he really takes us into the mind of the right and the left and why they can't talk to one another. So that's a great masterclass in communication or lack of communication. And the final long-form interview uh, we'll talk about is uh, on December, 2022, was Luke Danellan. Luke Dinellon is a Labor MP in the Daniel Andrews government. He was the roads minister, the ports minister, the um, social, what does it call it? Um, you know, when they take kids away, community services uh, minister, so high up. And we had a big chat about the election loss, why Daniel Andrews won, won so many seats, uh, where the threats are for the labor party and the liberal party, uh, how to talk to the electorate who is resonating and why. And he really put on display a very effective and often utilitarian, but very effective, um, way to approach politics and power and ethics and decisions. And I I still completely disagree with him, but, I can understand why what he's saying is so effective, so attractive, and more popular than, than my view or, or views of classically liberal people. I understand. He reminds me of the modern Labour Party. Well, I mean, he is. He was from very high up. Uh, chameleon. Able to adapt. Able to give the people what they want. Just a brilliant masterclass in, in every liberal politician who failed in the Victorian election, so all of them. They, they should all... Watch that interview and look at how Labour is communicating and why he and Daniel Andrews and Justin Trudeau and, you know, the lefty type people, why, and and Anthony Albanese in Australia, the Prime Minister, and and Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand, even though there's a lot of hate for them, the middle mass of people buy into them. Why? Have a look at that interview, Luke Dinellon. So that is uh, just the 60, you know, just went through about 15 or so, uh amazing discussions if you want to check this out go to discernible.io or on spotify we have both video and audio now on spotify it's all in the same file just click on it it'll show you video audio depending on what you're doing at the time and you can see all of these uncensored long-form interviews amazing nuggets of wisdom amazing people that came on now 2023 What's ahead? Well, we'll keep doing uh, interviews, we'll do more people's project, we'll do certainly do more live events, really enjoying those, keeping the ticket prices low, that's been fun, Uh, doing more town halls, need to have some more sort of panels and and, and discussions and try and get maybe, uh, you know, people like Luke from one side, and then people like uh, Matt Guy or whatever from the other side and get them to talk, that'd be fun. Well, not Matt Guy, he's finished, but you know what I mean. Now, last year, I told you that 2022 is coming and it's most likely going to be a darker year and certainly i think it has been and all we really need to do is find the lights the metaphorical lights in that darkness and just find them and hang around those lights where it's darkest even a little tiny light shines brighter and so i i see that as 2022 coming our way a darker year but the lights will shine brighter so just find the lights hang around those lights get involved and support those lights fill your life with people who metaphorically are lights now 2023 i think is going to be a surprising year uh, the original meaning of the word surprise comes from old middle english and then french uh, it means to seize like in an in a, in a war like the trojan horse uh, you know they surprised the people of the city of troy they seized the city of troy i think there will be things that seize our attention that that arrest our attention this year uh, especially in the field of AI but I think there'll be good surprises and bad surprise well that's too simplistic there'll be surprises that you enjoy and surprises that you don't enjoy but either way there seems to be an instability uh, developing and there'll be some things that people are predicting doom in certain areas like house pricing housing prices and in other areas uh, and we'll find some of those things will not come to pass and we'll be surprised and there will be things that we didn't realize was a problem. AI is an interesting one. I'm quite concerned about, not that it will be Skynet taking over, but if you look, for example, at ChatGPT by, by OpenAI, the capabilities of this thing is incredible. I think the we're not ready for it. I think through our own ignorance, humans are underestimating what it can do. Right now, you can go to openai.com for free, put in your email, and you can access their AI and talk to it and chat GPT. And it is incredible. It can write essays. It could have done my whole MBA. It's incredible. And we're not ready for the disruption that that will cause for, I mean, if you're a copywriter, you're in trouble. If you're a creative writer, you're in trouble. You can ask this thing to create a screenplay and yes it's got issues you need to go in and massage it but sitting there with writer's block is a thing of the past you can tell this thing to spit stuff at you and it sparks your your um your creativity and you go from there it's incredible i don't think humans are ready for that and some of our lower level jobs are going to go away headline i used to work in uh, ai in many areas one of them was um in in publishers working with like the age and sydney morning herald and um and vice and, and and big ones at the bbc and le monde and, and the big ones overseas and we would automate their newsrooms with ai and that was in 20 nine, 18, 19. we're talking three four years five years on mate the stuff we could automate now is just insane so there's disruption coming there uh, but in terms of darkness like we were talking about last year have you ever thought about what darkness is like literally scientifically phys- f- physics right so so light Light is either is electromagnetic radiation, either a wave or a particle. Most people picture it popularly as, as a particle, uh, you know, like a, a, wave of fo- a bunch of photons fired at you from the sun and bounces off an object into your eye and you perceive that thing as white or black or shiny or dark or whatever. Whatever the case, light is flying around in waves of particles through the darkness, lighting it up. Darkness doesn't actually exist, right? In that sense. Darkness is really a word or a concept we, we use to describe the absence of these particles or these waves called light. In the same way, I wonder if we misname or misunderstand darkness in society and in the world. We ascribe malevolence so often when incompetence will do. But especially darkness we say like the darkness is approaching the darkness is coming upon us fear the darkness the sky is falling i don't think that's what we're seeing i think we're seeing lights go out the craziness that swept the world for three years where people were unwilling to look at evidence people are contradicting themselves sticking their things in their ears that's not darkness overcoming light That's people refusing to speak up. That's light going out. That's people hiding the light that they have. And so last year, my advice was, hey, let's find the lights in the darkness as the darkness grows and let's hang around those lights. I think the onus is on us this year to not just find the lights, but in 2023, to be the lights, the metaphorical light, to be the light, in every place if it's your workplace if it's your family take the responsibility of being a light because if you don't that's when darkness overcomes that that's that famous quote falsely attributed to edmund burke uh more likely is john stuart mill the famous utilitarian but the the quote that all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing all it takes for darkness to overcome is for people to turn their lights out. So why don't we be brave this year in 2023? And even though it's the Blitz, and we're supposed to turn our lights out and hide from the German bombers, why don't we be brave and turn our little lights on? Speak up when you see something, stand up for reason or rationality or whatever it is that your, your religion, your beliefs, your value structure, um, your experiences, uh, what you see, uh, when everyone else says the emperor is fully clothed and you're the little kid, the only one, uh, we can all see he's naked, but no one's willing to say it. Be the kid that says, no, he's naked. Speak. And, and, and speaking is not just getting on social media and yelling. It's having the balls. Sorry, ladies. It's having the courage to be a light in whatever way you can be a light. Maybe it's unpopular in lockdowns to visit your neighbors, but you know your neighbor is struggling, so you make meals for them. That's a big no-no in COVID season. And and you make your own judgments to do it safely and so on, but you make meals for them and you break the rules and you give them um, some meals and you bring some light into the world. We certainly did this in our street. Maybe that's being the light. But the point is, being a light in darkness is is when there's it's difficult when there's oppression when there's darkness when there's opposition you turn your light on and that fights back against the darkness that i think is what we need to do in 2023 and take heart light the tiniest little candle in a dark space the darkness cannot overcome it it's uh, there's, a, there's an old saying F- fear knocked faith answered no one was there I think that's the case with darkness if enough people turn on their lights they'll discover well wow, the darkness isn't that powerful after all have a lovely 2023 i hope you enjoy watching our interviews if you like to get any of the things i've talked about like our team human merch or our uh our, our watches our timepieces will be in soon at teamhuman.au and our usb time capsules are already available at teamhuman.au uh, go there and i look forward to doing some amazing interviews this year i think that's the number one thing that we do i think it's the most important thing that we do and uh as always keep an open mind Uh, it's not about agreeing or not agreeing with someone it's about testing your own beliefs really it's about growing through through sharpening you know it's the my 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 beliefs in in deontological ethics and 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 all sorts of things like that only grew stronger when i challenged them and this year has certainly done that So 2023, it is a surprising year and uh, the year that we all decide to be the light in every place, however we can.